What does it look like when an integrator grows its business using Ignition? What value does Ignition bring to an integrator and their customers? What tools has inductive automation provided that helps an integrator overcome challenges? How has inductive automation and Ignition enabled an integrator to do better business? This is Inductive Conversations with our host, Kent Melville, speaking with our guests, Thomas Wilson, sales manager, and Ben Lester, senior technical lead from Factory Technologies, a premier integrator. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Inductive Conversations. I'm your host, Kent Melville, sales engineering manager here at Inductive Automation. And I'm joined by uh, two people from Factory Technologies, one of our premier integrators, uh, Thomas Wilson, who's a sales manager, and Ben Lester, who is a senior technical lead. And so, guys, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves and the company you work for? Hi, yeah. First of all, thank you for having us. We're, we're honored to be a part of this, this show. Uh, my name is Thomas. I'm the sales manager, like you stated, with Factory Technologies. I've been in the industry for only about a couple decades now, and m most of my job is to listen to our clients and then help communicate those uh, needs that they have to our team and and try to provide a great solution for them. Awesome. Thank you so much. Ben, over to you. Hello, my name is Ben Lester. I'm senior technical lead. And what that means is that all the weird kind of problems we come across end up in my lap and I get to have fun figuring out the solutions. Very nice. And so both you guys at Factory Technologies, tell us a little bit about uh, what Factory Technology is and what they do and kind of the background of your company. Yeah, no, thanks. So Factory Technologies is definitely a unique systems integrator located in Modesto, California. Uh, it was founded in 2014 and we specialize in the food and beverage industry. Uh, we have about 26 people here. And what I like to say about that is we're mostly engineering driven and we like to provide solutions for a client that are more complex problems and they need some a real solution to be able to solve those. Awesome. And Ben, how's your experience been with Factory Technologies? Great. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being able to be parts of different problems, coming up with designs and all the way to implementation and support. Being where we're located is really helpful too. Food and beverage is uh, plentiful out here and there's a big demand for our type of services. So it's great. Yeah, awesome. And so Factory Technologies is local to us here in California. In fact, just yesterday, I was driving through the Central Valley on my way to Southern California and back. So maybe maybe past you guys, but how long have you guys been in business and, and what industries do you guys focus on uh, down here? Well, like we stated, we, you know, our side of the team was pretty much established in 2014, made up of several people who have been in the industry for a long time who finally just decided to get together and say, hey, there's definitely a real niche in the market to provide senior level solutions to some of the problems out here. Obviously, we're in the breadbasket of the world. So the largest part of our industry is food and beverage. We prim primarily focus a lot and specialize in the wine industry. Awesome. Obviously, as you're you're delivering solutions to customers, you interact with a lot of different technologies, a lot of different softwares. How did you guys find Ignition and what made you start using this for a lot of new projects? So I learned that Factory Technologies came across Ignition because we had the PLC component of a big project. And our late great director of engineering saw the potential in uh, Ignition and the fact that it was more than just the traditional SCADA system, a lot more than just a point and click showing tags and displaying data. And after that, he took it 
like he normally takes different problems and created a whole project with it. It ended up becoming uh, what we use for our project management system and our timesheet system as well. So we have an internal ignition system that he had created that was really his learning experience. For me, my first job out of college was actually at a company that made their own proprietary Java-based SCADA software. I was in Atlanta after having graduated Georgia Tech, and so I worked with that company for quite a while before moving out to California and joining Factory Technologies. My second week of Factory Technologies, our company owner was actually signed up for an Ignition core class. And luckily for me, something came up and he couldn't make it. I was able to take his seat and I got the core class and then the advanced class immediately after. And thanks to my previous experience with a, a Java-based SCADA system, I, was, I just felt right at home. It made it really easy to pick everything up. And really, there's been no turning back. That was great to hear. And yeah, that was back in the days when you could actually come to our office to our training classes, unlike uh, the world today where everything has to be online, it seems like. Uh, yeah, we we're glad you're able to come out. And obviously that's been able to be really impactful for you, but also for the, the whole of factory technologies. Prior to finding inductive automation, what softwares were you guys primarily using in the industry? We had worked with all of the industry staples. So we had done a lot of work with Factory Talk SC, Wonderware Orchestra, InTouch, and iFix, all of the normal stuff out in the food beverage industry. As an integrator, I understand the business. You, you go out and when you're pitching to customers, you can make recommendations on, on what you'd like to see them use for projects. But at the end of the day, you, you give the customer what they want, you know, right? So you're this factory technologies at this point, you guys provide all kinds of solutions, I'm sure, in different software packages. How much of your business do you think you get to do in Ignition these days? So that's interesting. Our industry and our business is subject to uh, evolving just like any other industry is. Uh, I would say five years ago, six years ago, we probably did about 30% of our projects were in Ignition. Due to the support, the programs, and price points, and availability of Ignition, uh, there's at least 80% of our projects are in Ignition now. And naturally, if that's going to be the demand on the project side, the way our teams are built out, 80% of our teams are heavier in Ignition than they are other softwares. That's incredible. That's great to hear. And how has that impacted your work with customers as far as like you know, reliability of your systems and being able to support the systems long term? Have you seen any changes with that as you've introduced Ignition at scale here? So the clients that end up getting Ignition definitely have that path to continue their own development, both on the control side and on the business development side, because they start to see that they can leverage all this information and use it to drive decisions. I have noticed that customers that start to bring that in, yeah, it just seems like everybody is a lot more forward thinking because they're trying to see what they can accomplish next using this software. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that we've seen everywhere. We try to make the barrier of entry really low so that people can get in there, get their hands dirty and build useful things. But as easy as it can be to build something basic within Ignition, to add some of your own screens, to add some custom functionality, we also work really hard here at Inductive Automation to make sure that the Ignition software is deep as well. And so that you can go and create really complex solutions and create some things that are really meaningful that maybe would have been more difficult to do in the past. And so you know, what has Ignition done for factory technologies in terms of your ability to provide new and innovative solutions to your customers? Yeah, I feel like I have a great example for this. So at one client, 
we had already implemented a core OEE code into several machine centers. And they were collecting the downtime data from that code, but they didn't really have a good way to visualize it. And with a pretty concentrated 20 to 30 hours uh, developing inside of Perspective, I was able to create a fantastic MES display that was giving them the type of downtime causes in just a really easy to digest fashion. And when I look back at that experience, I can look at what that project ended up being and recognize that four or five years ago, so not even that long, that could have been a $200,000 project. That's just how far things have come. Absolutely. That takes me back because I sometimes take it for granted now of how quickly we can build things because you're right. It used to be you get a project and you're like, all right, this is at a whole nother level of scale. I know in order to do something, we need to put together a whole sales pitch for this and get approval because this is going to require a significant amount of budget and all these things. And and now be like, yeah, we can throw that in. That's That's pretty quick. That's pretty easy. I can build that in a week for you. And so, yeah, it's it's a game changer. Obviously, we are talking about how easy and simple all of these things are, how you can deliver all these great solutions. I know it's not always these butterflies and rainbows, as Kevin McCluskey likes to say. Not everything's perfect and easy out there. People are trying to tackle new and crazy expectations. Business is changing over time. And just curious from your perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges that Factory Technologies currently faces in today's market? That's a great question, Kent. You know, I think the biggest challenge is the same for most companies in our segment, and that's the ability to recruit. Recruit people who are able to deliver what clients are asking for and deliver in a way that fits their budget as well. Right now, Ignition has done a really good job providing a lot of resources for us to be able to recruit people, plug them into some online training, in-class training, and then implement them and put them on a part of our team that's able to start going through checklists and actually start producing relatively quick. The biggest challenge that I had thought of was also in terms of hiring and training. And yeah, Inductive University helps out with that a lot because you can take someone that's fresh out of college or a senior engineer with a little bit of downtime. And after they're done with the classes, they can help us out with these big projects. In a perfect world, hiring people would immediately allow you to expand your capacity as a team. But we know that in reality, hiring people is an investment, right? There's training that has to take place. Even if people are very qualified, there's still this onboarding that needs to happen. And certainly we've experienced that at Inductive Automation as well as we hire new people. And we found that at first, when you hire people, it actually lowers productivity because you've got to allocate some of your senior level resources to getting these people up to speed. And and we really thought there's got to be some ways that we can make this simpler internally for us to get people up to speed on how Ignition works. But then at the same time, can we leverage these tools to be useful for people outside of our company and in the Ignition community so that they could onboard people quickly as well and that it could be more of a self-directed study, so to speak, so that you can have your senior level people still delivering, still solving solutions for customers, still having billable time, you know, all those kind of things. And so Yeah, that led to Inductive University. It led to some expansion of our online user manual, led to the support that we provide for our our integrators, where we want them to be able to call into support and talk to our team. And that that can be free for integrators. We want to make sure that you guys are getting your people up to speed and they can talk to somebody here easily. I'm glad that you guys mentioned that, that that's been impactful and useful for you guys, because it's something that was a very conscious effort that was done by our company. 
random question for you guys. One a newer initiative that we have is we've been trying to highlight the exchange, the Ignition Exchange, which is a free online repository of pre-built resources in Ignition. And so if anybody has a good idea of something to build in Ignition, you know, whether that is an employee of inductive automation or an integrator or an end user, they can take that package it up, put it up on the exchange, and then anybody else can download that and use that free of charge for whatever project they want. Have you guys been able to leverage anything on the exchange? Yeah, I have definitely. It greatly improved my perspective learning experience, being able to use some of those components as an example. But also the uh, L5K parser that was put up there, I was able to use that specifically for our kind of demo project that we made for the wine symposium in order to very quickly set up kind of an emulated environment for showcasing an existing project that we already had. I already had the perspective project developed for the graphics on a wastewater solution. And obviously I had the PLC code from that project as well. So I just threw it through the uh, L5K parser and that generated all my tags for me. And that's what allowed me to kind of set up this emulation of the system. And then everybody got to see it as if it was actually running with all the animations and everything without any big red boxes. That's awesome. Great story. Yeah, Travis Cox put a lot of work into that parser there. He was trying to do a very similar project. And, you know, rather than just building something for one project, he's like, I could build this to be useful for a bunch of people. So great to hear. Yeah, I, I saw it when it was posted very early on before Ignition or Inductive had started to kind of showcase in different places. And I had to dig into it to kind of check a couple why a couple of things weren't working for me. And that helped me understand some of the programming that he had done in the background as well. So it was really helpful. Great to hear. Um, you know, so we've been talking about we got to get people up to speed, you know, and that is a huge effort of getting our staff ready to go to solve solutions for customers. You know, an, another aspect of this is not just learning, you know, the tools that you're using, but also learning the trends that are going on in the industry figuring out based on these buzzwords that people are hearing about and that they want to take advantage of, you know, how do I translate that into real solutions that I can deliver to customers? And so I was curious if you guys have been, you know, experiencing that yourselves as you are talking to existing customers or, or potential customers, if, you know, they have kind of these ideas of where the industry is going and, and what you guys have been doing to deliver practical solutions for these kinds of things. Yeah. So this Digital transformation and industry 4.0 concept, definitely important in all of our projects these days. I've kind of summarized it in the past as first having the devices in place to collect the data that's valuable for the plant, and then having the ability to easily leverage that data. And so facilities that can actually accomplish that end up having a huge advantage. And so how do they do that? How do they accomplish that? In our case was this green space that we had mentioned where uh, ignition was in there from the beginning. And when you have this centralized system all ready to go, you're already starting with the idea of historizing your data. And then you're able to create the useful visualizations based entirely on the customer's needs. So in our case, it was you know just making sure that the downtime was present and the case counts were ready to go right out the gate. Yeah. So once again, it seems to be motivated by a need, right? Whether it's a client need or an industry need, and you guys see it from your integrator needs that having the data available at the, you know, the, ha having it handy at the right time. So for example, a client, you know, they can't predict what their volume is going to be, whatever their product may be. But as long as they're able to leverage their data, then they can gain segment in that space. Now, we have an example 
uh, in the wine industry right here in California, where a client had just started using Ignition and just started leveraging their data. And they had a very unique window of about a couple of months to take advantage and see if they could actually produce more product to fulfill orders. We were able to use the data from Ignition and not only say, well, this is your demand. This is what this is the other equipment you're going to you're going to need to be able to you know meet that demand. So they put in a couple more lines, and still today they hold really top shelf space and retail segments for that. Yeah. So they had already started this green space development, and then once they had started production early on, because they had all that data available, they were immediately able to justify installing a couple new lines. And that type of rapid development takes a lot of pieces to be in the right place for that to actually happen. It's interesting. I, I find that as I talk with customers, sometimes they balk at the, the solutions at first of like the things that allow you to do digital transformation are not always brand new technologies, brand new techniques. It's more of the, all right, you've got this line, you're collecting data. If we can standardize your your structure here, we can standardize how that data works, then you can roll this out to multiple facilities, bring that all up to a centralized system. And now that it's all standardized, we can start making an intelligent decisions based on this data and maybe push it to the cloud, maybe do machine learning, all these kind of things. But it starts with the basics of just doing the things that were already possible, but doing them well and doing them deliberately. And I think a lot of times people miss that step. They start top down. They want to do all these creative, innovative things, but they don't have that solid foundation to build on. And without that, those projects inevitably fail. And so it's good to hear that you guys are working with customers to establish those foundations, build on what they're already using so that they can be successful for these current initiatives, but also for whatever the next trend is, that foundation is already going to make that so much easier uh, when they get to that step. But yeah. Any, any comments on that before we move on? Took the words right out of my mouth about the fact that it's really the uh, important foundation that you build upon in order to accomplish something like that. Also, in terms of it's not always the latest and greatest type of uh, technologies that can make the biggest impact. MQTT is a great example of that because even though it is actually quite an old technology, we're all getting to use it in our current space to accomplish a lot more than we were before. Yeah, that's a great example. You know, uh, like you said, MQTT is 20 years old. Uh, really, within the last few years here, it's become mainstream. And so it's interesting to watch what things catch on right away, which things take some while to, de uh, to develop. Ignition kind of fits that as well. And, you know, the inductive automation is not a new company. We've been around since 2003. And initially, we had a different version of Ignition. We had, you know, factory PMI and Factory SQL that were our initial legacy products here. And we were in the same California area, worked with wineries and other local companies here to start solving some solutions for them. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. We've come on to today where we have the ignition platform being used throughout the world by some very large companies. Rumor has it that you guys were able to recently work with a customer who was using a legacy version of ignition, was using factory PMI, was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the experience of going in there and helping them update that system to a more modern version. So this was about four years ago. And at the time it was a flagship customer of Ignition. It's fun to see kind of some of the papers that your project was featured in and us being able to work on it on the tail end. It was 
kind of similar to a conversion from Ignition 7.9 to 8 point whatever you might want to be running. But the biggest differences were with factory SQL, that was how they were handling kind of the tag database that's all wrapped up into one package now. And then this particular project also included converting from MySQL to Microsoft SQL. And so, you know, you're always going to have some fun rewriting queries along the way. I think actually factory SQL was designed for MySQL. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. It's kind of what I had gathered while working on that. The projects would import in with components relatively in the right place. And then I'd get to correct the queries. And basically what kind of made everything come together is writing some regular expressions to convert the factory SQL's exports and be able to bring that in as a tag export into Ignition. So we didn't have to rewrite a bunch of, or recreate all of their tag structure from back then. And then after that, it was just kind of cleaning up the look and feel of everything, making it look a bit more modern, but also trying to incorporate a high performance perspective because back then nobody, very few people were trying to direct operators' attention the way that we're doing it now. Really being able to look at that early project was kind of like a way of looking at the roots of where Ignition came from. And it helped me develop successful Ignition projects moving forward, being able to think about it in that way. I think that ties into the foundation concept that we were talking about before that we at Inductive Automation spent a lot of time in the beginning kind of establishing what the foundation for our code base was. And you said Java being cross-platform at that time was a big deal, but it's amazing how you're still able to upgrade something that was originally designed in the early 2000s and bring that up to a, a modern solution today and, and have that backwards compatibility. And that's tricky. That's been something that's been hard for us to maintain as a software company of how do we make sure that the things that we're building are taking advantage of of new technologies, new new features, new demands within the market, but still allowing people to keep doing what they've been doing successfully for you know decades. And how do we balance that supporting what is tried and true while still not getting left behind as far as technologies? And a big shift for us was at some point we, we realized vision, which came from factory PMI, is incredible, you know, as far as like what it allows you to build quickly and easily for customers and still continues to. You know, we don't have any immediate plans to get rid of vision. People are successfully using it, doing new projects with it today and latest release 8114. Uh, as of today, when we're recording this, we released some new features for Vision. It's still being actively developed, but we decided that while we're maintaining that backwards compatibility for Vision, we wanted to introduce a new way to do visualization. We wanted to introduce the perspective module so that we could take advantage of some web technologies, new ways to deploy this you know, in a browser, in an app, take advantage of app data for accelerometers, cameras, all these kind of things. And that was a big shift for inductive automation to allow customers to tackle new challenges and was curious to hear from you guys if you've been able to utilize that perspective module and what that's been able to do for your customers. So we had started developing in perspective pretty shortly after it was first released. And anybody who has that experience knows that it was a little rocky at the beginning. It was very difficult to transition. Uh, we were spoiled by how easy it is to develop in Vision, especially with the piping tool that we have now. That makes building out standard graphics very easy, and the visibility of those graphics is very clear. Once you get more comfortable with HTML5 and writing the scripts to populate all of the properties, you can still accomplish pretty complicated things easily. 
And so it's, it's pretty nice. But we have done a couple projects in perspective. One of the great things about it is that if you're having to deal with several clients, you don't have to rely on the hardware of the client anymore. It's so much, it's much lighter profile, right? Getting to enjoy some of the, uh, the new aspects of perspective is that part of our wine symposium, for example, we were able to showcase that, yep, we can just load this perspective page right up on an iPad or an, or an Android phone and use the phone or tablet's camera in order to do a barcode scan. And that's immediately recognized in the food and beverage industry, right? Because they, you know, any manager will be able to see, oh, we don't have to rely specifically on the scanners that a forklift driver might have. You have other options that are immediately able to be implemented. Well, Kent, Kent real quick, I, I first want to thank everybody there on your team for all the hard work they've done. Myself, personally, in the last five years, you guys have made my job so much easier. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Our clients come to me and they say, Thomas, what we want is to be able to have uh, better graphics for our HMIs, we want to have better access for our data, and we don't want to spend $400,000 to do it either. Instead of me constantly going around and speaking to one of our each of our clients and interviewing them and saying, hey, what are your biggest struggles? Now they actually reach out to me and they say, hey, can you create a dashboard to, for me to, for one of my managers to just look at this information? And I quickly now can go, yep, that's just going to be this small block of hours. We'll give you some polish to review and then you let us know if you need some user interface changes. And it's painless. Today's version, five years ago, that was a much more in-depth conversation. So thank you for everyone on your team for doing that for me. I'll certainly pass that along. It's good to hear. You know, so much of the automation industry is these one-on-one -on -one conversations where you go and you talk to somebody and you, you hear their needs and then you know you go and you work on a solution to meet those needs. And you certainly need a lot of tools in your tool belt to be able to have those conversations effectively. And so we're glad to hear that Ignition has been one of those tools that's made it easier to have those conversations and to help get customers what they need when they need it. And you guys have talked about this Sacramento Wine Symposium. Events are few and far between these days, it seems like with COVID. I'm glad you guys got to participate in one. Can you tell us a little bit more about this symposium? And is this you know, something that you guys, was this your first time? Is this something you've been able to do many times? And I mean, you've talked a little bit about a demo that you did there, but tell us a little bit more about the technologies that went into that demo and how you're able to reach a, a broader audience through an event like this. Yeah, so I'll definitely let Ben kind of tell you more about his development on the product. Uh, but the Wine Symposium is definitely one of the largest events to go to in the wine industry, uh, probably in the world. You know, definitely today, the, the attendance counts are lower, but it, it was very nice to have, see face-to-face -face conversations with our clients. You can see them you know, directly. They can walk up and you can have a really easy one-on-one -on -one discussion about what their needs are and how to provide solutions for them. There is a big need in the market for lots of different technology that's still ever evolving. Ben's done a really good job. Probably for the last four years, this need's been, been asked about and talked about. And uh, Ben did a great job providing a solution for that. Well, Ben, we're excited. Tell us about uh, the demo that you did put together. Yeah, so remote pump carts are always a big concern for wineries. And what we wanted to do was leverage cellular technology rather than wireless. So that way the plant wouldn't have to set up a large wireless mesh. It can be pretty costly quickly and doesn't always guarantee good coverage with how insulated all the tanks are absorbing up a bunch of signal strength, right? So that guided us down the MQTT route. 
and I was able to work with IFM. And over there at IFM, Jennifer and Mandeep were a huge help. And we were able to use their PLC HMI combo display, and it actually runs CodeSys in the background. So I was able to set that up as an MQTT client and also as a display. So the idea would be that you have a good visualization still on your remote pump cart, and you can talk MQTT back to your ignition server. So over on the ignition server, which we had set up on failover redundant Stratus server, which was fun to lug around the symposium. But over there, we had ignition running the MQTT engine. So after setting up the MQTT broker on that server as well, everybody was talking to each other and would scan a white wine or red wine barcode with that camera that I had mentioned earlier. We could send a start signal and it would display the pump running over on the other side. And that's something that we're very excited to try to incorporate in facilities moving forward. I think there's a great base there with all of that work and the components too. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It always ends up being a combination solution of, you know, you need the right hardware and the right software, leveraging the right technologies. And and it's not necessarily best to just say, yeah, I get my hardware, my software, my, you know, networking equipment, my technologies, all of that from a single vendor to make it all work together. But instead, you can leverage a bunch of different vendors on standardized protocols, standard technologies, so that it can still all be seamless without being proprietary. You know what I mean? So great to hear you're you're leveraging these other tools out there. And I've always been a big fan of those high availability options from Stratus of having the the Ethernet cable that's constantly syncing state between these things. So you could lose a whole server and the other one just immediately resumes. And that's pretty cool uh, to see that in play. Hopefully it was worth the wait to drag those around as he went through the symposium. It was funny because we had it prepared in case anybody asked the right questions. And so it's just sitting there under our booth, chugging along. But I was glad to have it there as a as a talking point. Certainly. MQTT, you mentioned it briefly as an, an example of a technology that kind of had a long runway for takeoff. It took a while to be adopted, but now such a big player in the industry. And I'm glad to hear that you're able to you know take advantage of that for things like this demo and that it's not just an inductive automation driven technology, but rather, like you said, Codasys and, and other players in an industry can just support Sparkplug out of the box and can just play nicely together automatically. What has having that kind of open source technology done for your business? MQTT as a whole hasn't been tremendously important for our business yet. But now that I have the experience working with it, it definitely has a place that it fits in that toolbox. I definitely understand why it's so useful in the oil and gas industry, where you have these remote sites that rely on what could be spotty communication. To understand where it was really that takeoff place had started from, it makes a lot of sense. But for us, we work mostly in more consistent environments. So we'll be helping clients design fiber runs to ensure that type of data transmission is going to be acceptable and then planning out the network backbones to support larger communications between PLCs and centralized systems. So because of that, we haven't had to rely on it too much. But now that I have that as an option, I'm uh, definitely eager to use it when we need to. Yeah, and I find it interesting that for so long, people did kind of have MQTT 
pigeonholed into I'm only in oil and gas. Now, if, if I'm not oil and gas, then MQTT isn't useful for me, right? And we're seeing that shift as people are realizing that, yeah, maybe I'm on really reliable network. Maybe bandwidth isn't my number one concern. You know, maybe still I have cellular, maybe it's still helpful, but it's not my decision maker. But then as they see the interoperability piece of it, as you're talking about like, all right, I've now spent all this effort to come up with this standardized edge solution essentially for customers, you know, leveraging the IFM stuff, leveraging uh, the Stratus stuff, all these other things you can say, this could be a package that you could just say, I'm going to go throw this in at a customer site or at various pieces of their site. And that, that can still all forward up in an open source way, in a standardized way into a centralized system, and it can be plug and play. And so maybe that ability to deploy quickly and easily could be kind of the next step for MQTT that it can get out of this mindset people have of it's only for remote, obscure sites for just sending data up over a radio network or a satellite network. Now it can come mainstream and be used in more industries. So yeah, excited to see where it goes for you and your customers as you expand your your view and your customer's view of MQTT in general. And so at this point, obviously shared my enthusiasm and excitement for where the industry is going, for the things that you guys are doing and the things that you're delivering to your customers. I wanted to kind of open it up to you guys for some final thoughts here of your views of the industry, where you think things are headed, and just any last things you'd like to share with our audience today. So Ben, we're going to go ahead and start with you. And then Thomas will will finish with your final thoughts. So Ben, take it away. I think I'd like to close with just saying that I'm really thankful to even be a guest here today. It's an honor because I uh, have kind of tried to focus only on the problem solving aspect as I've grown as an engineer. And I just, that's what I like doing. I don't really focus on career aspirations or trying to end up on a podcast like this one. So to have ended up here is pretty cool. And I'm very thankful. It's also nice that we're located out here in Northern California. It almost feels like factory technologies is able to grow along with inductive automation because we are so close to each other and been able to work on similar systems like we talked about. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to doing more of that to improving the solutions that we put out there into the world and solving more interesting problems. And that's what really keeps me going. Well, absolutely. Well, we're so glad that you were here today to share your expertise. And I think that's one of the nice things about podcasts is that it's an opportunity for people who are maybe not the face of a company to come in and share their expertise. And I think that that's what a lot of people want to hear. They want to hear about the people that are in the trenches every day dealing with these things. How are you solving problems? How are you figuring this all out? And so I'm really glad you're here today, Ben. And now, Thomas, final words from you. Just like Ben said, it's an honor to be here, obviously, and on a platform that I think most people appreciate these days. So thank you guys for being a part of this. I know what it, what it takes in the background to be able to put something like this together. So thank you. As we discussed earlier, the industry in 4.0 and technology, it's going to be interesting to see who decide, makes the choice to leverage data and the choice to keep things as an open platform as we have today, especially as the current climate has caused part shortages. So having the availability to use multiple sources for hardware and to continue to see this grow. As far as our team, I think we're blessed to be 
located, you know, kind of in the same geographical location as your team. So it's definitely allowed us all to kind of grow together. So thank you for having us and allowing us to be a part of this today. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. Absolutely. We love having factory technologies close by. We're so grateful for the collaboration that we've been able to have over the years and for the hopefully, you know, much more collaboration going forward. So great having you guys in our integrator program and seeing the solutions that you guys are delivering to customers and so happy to be able to share those with the rest of the ignition community through this podcast. And so with that, we will close this podcast today, but thank you and we look forward to much more work in the future. All right. Thank you. See you down the road. Hey listeners, this is a quick reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying the conversations. Also, if you have a topic or a question you'd like us to cover, or if you're interested in being a guest on a future episode, then please send your inquiries to podcast at inductiveautomation.com.